He's so faithful. He's so faithful to, to come through, to meet these needs. It's not even a healing service. We did that last Wednesday. But listen, every need, God, he so desires to meet it. You guys, half of you are seat, seated, so we'll just have the, the second half of you go ahead and take a seat. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just encourage you to stay in the presence of God. His presence is here. His presence is here to do mighty things. Just the same way that Jesus spoke about how there was the presence of God was there to heal them all back when he was talking uh, to the crowds and multitudes. And so many of them walked away without healing, even though God was there to meet every single need. You know, I think it's interesting that sometimes we come up with the thought of, I'm bugging God for something, or I'm, I'm going to God, God, I'm sorry, I need something else. How many know that Him meeting our needs, Him uh, being the answer to, to our situation, that, that didn't come from us. That isn't our idea. We didn't just say, you know what, God, you, you placed us here in this world, so, so you know what, you better fix something, you better, you better take care of this. How many know that he, He's revealed Himself as the one that said, he said, I will do it. I will meet your need. I will take care of you. Don't, you don't have to come begging. You don't have to come uh, hoping to get the, the answer that you desire. I've revealed myself to you as the one who heals you, as the one who supplies your needs, and as the one who takes care of, of his kids. Amen? Amen. You guys remember the, the verse, Philippians 4.19? It's a popular one. Can you, maybe you guys can say it with me. For my God shall all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ. It's one of the famous ones, but listen. He will supply. He will meet needs. He will take care of his kids. And so we don't, we don't go around hoping God's going to do it. We don't go around thinking, man, I, I, I really, we'll, we'll just see what God's going to do. Listen, we have his word on it. He meets our needs. And, and I know I'm being fairly broad, uh, but it is really a broad subject as far as what needs could be, right? It could, it could be financial. It could be relational. It could be something in your body. It could be healing. It could be, could be a, an attack in, going on in your mind and in your soul. So it is a broad subject, but I believe that the Lord is saying this. Listen, don't, don't just give up and say, you know what? I don't know how to do this. I can't figure it out. So I guess we'll just go without this. I guess I'll just have to deal with this problem. Dealing with the problem is, is not in Scripture. <laughs> You're not going to find, okay, when you come across the problem, just tough it out and bear it. It's just the way it's going to be. Now the, he said... I will meet your needs. I'm the one that is your supply. He's revealed himself that way to us. And it's because he's a good God. He's a good father. He takes care of his kids. I mean, think about if you have kids. I, I, have, two, I have two kids. I have a daughter, Claire, who's six, and my son, Carter, who's four. And, uh, and I don't ever like seeing them go without something that they, that they need let alone, like, even want, right? If they have a want that's, that's not going to hurt them, you know, ice cream in the morning might not be something that's beneficial for them. But we're about to do ice cream at night, so I guess that's, that's okay then, right? 
But that, if it's something that's not going to hurt them, it's something that's going to help them, how can, I, how can I figure out how to give it to you? And, and I'm just an earthly dad. I'm just, I'm just someone who, who uh, is not even, the, even close to how good God is. How good God is to us is not even close to how good any of us are to our kids. doesn't even come close. And so when we look at goodness, we don't, we don't define it by just some uh, ambiguous term of, oh, God's good, so therefore that might mean he won't give you what you want or won't, get, won't meet your need. Or Some people talk, start talking about the goodness of God and just say, well, it's whatever happens is the goodness of God. That's so false. That's so wrong. Listen, kids dying, kids having problems, people going without food, people going without necessities in life. That's not good. You wouldn't, I mean, if you did that to your kids, we'd call CPS on you. (laughs) No, I'm just being good to my kid. No, you're not. That's evil. And in God, there is no evil. There is no darkness. There is no shadow of turning. And, he, and the Bible says that every good and perfect gift come down from the Father of lights. So God, is a, he, he's someone who wants to just give us what we need. Give us, uh, he wants to meet our, our desires as well. And that's who he's revealed himself to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so I think the Lord's going to be meeting more and more needs tonight. And, uh, and, and one thing that I've learned, and one thing I'm going to share with you tonight, is just... Um, there's always some, there is a part that we play in God meeting our needs. If it was just God, if it was just up to him, we had no part to play in this, then all of our needs would be met. It would be heaven on earth, which by the way is what God originally intended in the garden of Eden, that every need met automatically. You didn't really even have to do anything. I mean, Adam, he, he went around tending the garden, which probably meant, uh, he, he was taking care of stuff more, more like just speaking to things. If you think about Adam in the garden, uh, one of the curses that came on Adam after the garden was, you're going to now live by the sweat of your brow. And so he said, you're going to have to till the ground and all these things. That was part of the curse that came after the fall. But before that, it was heaven on earth. And that was God's intention for man all along. We're going to see that in heaven for eternity. We're going, to have a, we're going to have perfection, him taking care of us, just the way that he wants to take care of us. But here right now, before heaven and, and after the fall, there are things that we, we'd have to do to partake in getting our needs met. It is up to us. I know some people don't like to hear that, but it really is. Why, why do I say that? Because if it's up to God, then he sh- we should be blaming him, right? If it's up to God, we should be blaming him for, I don't have this, I don't have that. God, you haven't met this need yet. So would, that be a, would, that be, would we just agree that blaming God for what we, what we need would be wrong? Wouldn't that be wrong? So it is up to us, but how is it up to us? It's up to us to believe in what he has said, in what he has promised, and it's up to us to just receive it. If you don't get yourself into a place to be able to receive what God has, what God's trying to get to you, he's trying to get something to you, and you're, and you got like a God blocker up, then you're going to go without your need. And the, the reality is more often people go without, not because God's holding something back, 
but because he's trying to find every nook and cranny he can stuff it to you, and and we're just turned off, we're oblivious, we have a wall up that's against what he wants for us. One of the things that really hinders people is the belief that they don't really believe God wants them to have their needs met. That is, a, that is a direct block to be able to receive God's provision for your life. And so um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me real quick to Psalm uh, 78. Psalm 78. This might be a new, a new concept to some that, that it's up to us, that maybe God, uh, he is the provider. He's the one that wants to meet our needs. But there's our part to play, and, and so, so much religion has said, you know, uh, whatever happens is the will of God. Whatever will be, will be. You just don't know what God's going to do. However things work out, I guess that's the will of God, and, and look and see how everything plays out, and maybe that's how God wanted it to be, and, and you're just supposed to learn from it. You're supposed to endure it. You're supposed to just accept whatever happens to you. And that's not, what, that's not what God has said in his word, and that's not what he's revealed. And here, we're going to pick up uh, at verse 40 in just a sec, but let me give you the context. This is David. He wrote the book of Psalms, and, and he's talking about the Israelites and how the, in, the, in the desert, before they go to the promised land, how, how basically they had, they had totally just disbelieved God could, could get them into the promised land. You guys remember... Uh, the journey from Egypt, where they were delivered from, to the journey of the promised land of Israel, it was supposed to be just a few days' journey, and they spent 40 years on that journey, in the wilderness, walking around. And one of the things that uh, David points to as why is really interesting. Notice he's not blaming God for it. They have all these needs. They have this desire to be in the promised land. They have the desire to just be in the full will of God. And for some reason, it doesn't happen. Was it, was it God's choice or was it theirs? Did they play the part in there? Let's jump to verse 40. Uh, Psalm seventy-eight, forty. How often they provoked him in the wilderness uh, and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. So think about this. They limited God. They stopped God. They had, God had a plan. God had a specific uh, idea of what should happen and what took place. He was limited. They had God's hands tied behind his back. Do you know that that's possible in our lives? Did you guys know that uh, these Israelites who we look at and be like, come on, you guys are... You guys can't figure it out that God's going to do what he's going to do and you should just believe him and, and, and do what he said to do. But how many know that there's a whole new covenant, there's a whole new testament that so many don't even, don't even live by. They don't even realize what God has given them, what God has promised them, the promised land that God has for them, the very plan of God for their life, which is a plan of promise, you know, they were, God was taking them to the land of milk and honey, which means that it was a land where there was so much abundance and supply that they were going to have, they're going to have no worries now. They came out of Egypt. Egypt was where they were enslaved. It's where, it's where they, were, uh, they, were, they were in bondage. The, the picture and the type and shadow is that's what happened to us before we were born again. 
If you're a believer, this is a believer service. When you receive the Lord, you went from going from Egypt to all of a sudden promised land. That, that's the new covenant reality. Now, why do some not experience the promised land even though they're born again? Well, it's, it goes with this scripture right here. They've, they're limiting God. They're hindering God from doing what he wants to do. God has a desire to bless them. God has a desire to meet needs. He looks at those needs and says, listen, I've already met it through Jesus Christ. It's in my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's where your needs will be met. And yet people go without. People deal with mediocrity. They, they, they go weeks with sicknesses and don't bother to... To, to try to get healed, or maybe they do get healed, and uh, or they try to get healed, but they give up too soon. There's lots of different things that, that people just put up with. They put up with second best. They just, they're just okay with mediocrity. And unfortunately, you look at the body of Christ as a whole, and, it, and you know, as far as the, the nation goes, at least, and there's not much difference between most Christians and most people in the world. Most Christians, you, you look at most Christians' lives and they deal with the same problems. They have the same needs unmet as someone who's in bondage living in Egypt as a slave. And why is that? Well, God wants to meet their need. Not only does he want to, not only is it a desire, but it's something that he already took care of. He already supplied it. He already gave it to us. You, you might say, well, well, how come I'm not experiencing it? Listen, what God gives to us is a spiritual, it's, it's in the, the spirit realm. When God gives something, he's not just going to, uh, you know, a thousand dollars shows up and all of a sudden God's a counterfeiter and, and, uh, and, and God's doing something like that. It's not going to be, you know, if gold falls out of the sky. He's going to give you something in your spirit. Many times uh, it's in the form of a word. It's in the form of God saying something to you. Or it's a directive for you to do something. And then, and then when you do it, your need is met. You, know, you remember Jesus, right? He, uh, he was one of those guys that every time that there was some need that arose, he just looked to his father. I mean, think about the countless stories of, hey, there's 5,000 people here, and we only have this many fish and this many loaves of bread. All right, God, you're going to take care. You're going to meet this need. Remember the, remember the time all of a sudden everyone's, uh, not only is every need met, they gathered 12 baskets full of fish and loaves afterward. So he's a God of more than enough. He's not a God that just wants to meet your need. He wants to have an abundance for you to give. He wants to get, give you so much that it's like, I can't even believe how good God is. It's so good. That's the way God supplies. How many uh, remembered the story where uh, they start coming to Jesus and they say, you need, to, you need to pay your taxes. Anybody ever been there and you need to pay some taxes? <laughs> Listen, wh- what did Jesus do? Oh, man, we're going to have to figure out how to sell some stuff. We're going to have to... We're going to have to, let, let's start thinking through all of the, all of the uh, ways we could figure this out and solve this problem and come up with this money. What did he do? He just said, you, you can tell, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my answer from God. I'm going to get my need met from him. All of a sudden, he gets a word. 
go catch a fish over here, open its mouth, and all of a sudden there's going to be a piece of gold in its mouth to take care of, to take care of the tax need. Jesus always looked to his Father. He always looked above for his needs to be met. He didn't, he didn't just put it on himself. He didn't just uh, beg other people to meet his needs, which unfortunately that's a, a lot of us today in, in our entitlement mentality that our society likes to, likes to have. But he said, you know what? My God has already met this need, so I'm going to turn to him. And, and God meeting Jesus' needs, it didn't just happen automatically. It took Jesus looking to God. It took Jesus trusting that God would do it, knowing that he would do it. Do you think Jesus doubted for a second that that tax need would, be, would, would uh, go met? Do you think for a second that he was like, oh man, I, 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 wonder, if, I wonder if we're going to figure this out, guys. Guys, let's, all, let's pray. Let's pray together. Let's, get a, let, let's, ask, let's ask John the Baptist and all his disciples to start praying for us. No. He just, he just looked to his father and got the answer that he, that he was looking for. And he just knew that his father was a good father and would take care of him. And so you look over and over every single thing Jesus needed. If you remember uh, the, the wind and the waves, the time in the storm. Oh, well, let's just get on our knees and start praying and, and hoping this works out. No, he just got up and rebuked the storm. He said, I'm going to do what God showed me to do. My father showed me to do. Remember, Jesus said that I only say what I hear the father say, and I only do what I see the father do. So when he was rebuking that storm, do you know he had saw his father do that? He had saw from heaven what to do. Can you see from heaven if you don't look? Can you see to have your need met from God if you're not looking that way? You know, one thing, uh, one thing too, is Jesus was good at remembering things. He was good at remembering things. He could recall things in Scripture. He could recall things that God had done for Israel, that God had done in the past. And uh, turn, uh, here in the same Scripture, just the next verse, verse 42, Psalm 78, 42. It says, uh, this is right after he said, again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. How did they do that? Verse 42, they did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. How did they limit God? How did they go from the being set free from Egypt? It goes on like the next 10, 12 verses are all about how God delivered them from Egypt. Shows Goes, starts talking about the plagues, all the mighty things God did, how God split the Red Sea and they parted through it and all the people that were trying to get them drowned. And then they come up to the promised land. They scout it out. They see giants and they tuck tail and run. No, we can't do it. We can't figure that out. Well, why? They had forgot. It says that they didn't remember his power. They didn't remember what God had just done. Sometimes when God moves, sometimes when God does something in your life, there is, a, there is an obligation, there is the need on your part to contemplate it, to stick it in your memory bank of saying, you know what, I'm going to remember what God just did for me here. If you remember in, in the Old Testament, 
they would set up, set up statues where God would do something big. They would, they would set up some memorial. And God would direct them saying, here, we, where, you, where you saw, where you crossed the Jordan, and the, remember the Jordan River when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant in? They, they did, basically stopped. And they walked through on dry land to get across the Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant. And God said, set up a memorial right here so that when you come back, when everyone sees this, they'll know what I did. And so God's a big, he's big into remembering what he's done for you. He wants us to know and, and to be able to recall exactly what he's done. You know, I, I think about my testimony about how God changed me when I was 21. I bet you I've told that story a thousand times. I, maybe more. When I'm talking to people about the Lord, when I'm just, when I'm sharing, when I'm, sometimes I'll give an altar call and I'll just tell what happened to me and how I got saved and how I, how my life was changed. It's because I keep that, I keep that memory fresh in my mind. I keep it at the forefront. His, what God's done for me, it, it should be alive to me. You know, I, I have, I ha, I've seen, uh, I used to be a volunteer in the youth program here. And I remember seeing uh, at different camps, the youth would go to, on, on these, these camps, I'd go with them, I'd help out, and you'd see these kids' lives get changed, where God would just show up, they'd, they'd give, you know, snot bubble testimonies about how God spoke to them, and they're just bawling, my life's forever changed, he told me what my life's going to be like, he showed me the plan of, that he has for me, uh, he healed me, he did this for me. It's like, if you were to say, you know, are you going to live for God for the rest of your life? It would be the dumbest thing for, for them to think why anything other than yes. But I know a lot of those youth today, and that was, you know, seven, eight years ago, and, and they're not walking with God, and they're not even in a church, and they're out living in the world. How does that happen? How, do, how does someone go from life-changing encounter with God, something where God does something amazing for them, they get needs met. They get the answers that they're looking for. They even know the voice of God now. They've heard it firsthand. You couldn't talk them out of, out of it right then. And now, it's like that whole event that happened when they were 16, 17 years old. It's not even real to them anymore. You start talking to them about that, and they just their eyes glaze over. And, oh, yeah, I don't really remember. Why is that? Because it's up to us to keep that alive. It's up to us to keep the things that God has done for us, those victories that we've had, those times where God came through and met your needs. It's up to us to keep that fresh in our hearts, to keep that fresh in our mind. And, and, and think about the, the word here where he says, uh, they, ver, it's a verse 42 where it says, they did not remember his power and the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. How many know that if we, have, if we have the day that we got redeemed, that we got saved, where our life changed, if that's still, if that's something that we've forgot about, or we haven't really, we haven't really brought it back up in our remembrance, we've kind of let that just die and let it be dormant, the power of God that redeemed you will also lie dormant. It'll also be limited. It's limited by us, not God. God's not the one limiting it. It's limited by us. We have to keep things fresh in our mind. And then and when it, someone who just gets saved, man, they could get anything from God. Like you start telling them that God provides Ferraris and all of a sudden they'll show up with a Ferrari. I mean, 
I mean, they are so hungry for the things of God because what just took place in them was so real. And what took place in them was, was it's in the forefront of their minds. Man, God saved me. He washed away my sin. He made me whole. He accepted me even though I knew I was a rascal. God totally changed my life. I've seen people that have, have come through the doors. Their life has got changed so drastically where all of a sudden major diseases get healed in their bodies. Their financial situation turns uh, a 180 and they're doing really well. I've seen people go from struggling so bad to all of a sudden on fire for God. And then I've seen people walk away after, even after that. You know, we see Bible college students. You know, we'd love to say every single Bible college student that's graduated is, you know, in ministry, doing things for the Lord, at least serving God, at least coming to church. That doesn't happen. You're like, well, how? How, they know, right? They know better. Absolutely. But what took place when they were in Bible college isn't still alive in them today because they've let it die. They've let it go dormant. And so it's up to us to stir it up, to stir up the things that God has done, the victories that he's done for you. When he redeemed you, when, when he saved you, when you, the first day that you realized the grace of God and how just... Like when it brought tears to your eyes the first time that you first comprehended his salvation. That should be something that we think about and still brings tears to our eyes. If, if you're not excited about your salvation, you're, it's going to be hard to receive anything from him. It's going it's to seem like it's difficult to hear from God. It's going to seem like it's difficult to get something from him. If, man, that was ages ago. I don't remember it. I haven't thought about it since, since way back when. And so God wants us to keep these things in the forefront of our mind. He wants us to ponder what he's done, and that sets us up for the next thing. That sets us up for the next need, the very next thing that we come and say, you know what, I don't know how I'm getting through this. This, this bill, I don't know how that's going to that's gonna get paid. But when you have what God just did all along the way, and every need he just met, and that's right here, and that's in your heart, and that's something... You know, this is just going to be another one. David, who wrote Psalms, remember what he's famous for, right? Slaying the giant. Do you remember how he prepped himself for slaying the giant? God already delivered me out of the mouth of the lion and out of the bear. He's sitting there remembering the times that God had delivered him, the times where he had had victories, those things he was reliving, he was fresh in him. Man, what, what has God done for you? What has he done for you? It set, when you are aware of it, when you're thinking about it, it just sets you up for, for the next victory. The Bible says we go from glory to glory to glory, right? That, that's his plan for our lives, that we would have need met after need met, that we would go, that we would have a continual, our life isn't supposed to be like this as believers. It's kind of supposed to be just like this. Or we're just we're just growing in God. We're we're getting more and more confident as we as we grow because we keep seeing God come through. He keeps showing Himself uh, strong. He keeps doing miracles. All of a sudden, He's now He's He's healed me. He's done this. All of a sudden, He's using me to get someone healed. All of a sudden, I feel like I should lay hands on someone, and and boom! All of a sudden, they're healed. What? Why is that? It's because what has happened before is alive in us. When that's alive in us, 
the next thing is just, it doesn't even look difficult. Even though it might seem impossible to the, to the natural eye. I mean, think about the Israelites going into the promised land. They're seeing giants. They're seeing an army that there's like, we can't defeat these guys. In the natural, what it looks like, that's impossible. But how many know God is so, he is completely grieved by that mentality. He's grieved by, saying, by them saying, oh, we can't do it. I mean, these are Israelites who are in the middle of the wilderness where they're being led by a cloud and fire. They're seeing God work every day. Not only that, they're, they're getting fed from heaven. Manna from heaven is falling down. He's providing food every single day, meeting every need. And yeah, these giants, they're too big. I mean, you would, you, that seems silly to us. But when we have a revelation of what God did through Jesus Christ for us, it's more absurd for us to think that we can't, he can't meet the next need. It's more absurd for us to think, oh yeah, God could completely wash away every sin I did, completely take me from the old man to the new. But yeah, this need right here, it's too big. I mean, when you start seeing things in the light of salvation, nothing's too, too big. I mean, think about the biggest miracle he's done in your life. The devil coming against you to try to hold you into a place of, of being a lost person, of not getting saved. Somehow, you, you, somehow God got to you while you were a sinner. And he got the word of salvation to you. And somehow you had faith to believe it as a sinner. Come on, we're talking a miracle here. Like something that's so huge that it's like, can you even fathom how hard that was to do? That was difficult. Come on, the, the need that's right in front of you, the need that is, it, it is, is going to be in front of you in the next year, that's tiny compared to the need that you had when you received Jesus. It's tiny. And so for us, it's about, okay, how can we keep this in front of us? How can we stir ourselves up and say, you know what? I'm going to be like David. Okay, he delivered me from the bear. He delivered me from the lion. This Philistine, this uncircumcised, uncovenanted with God, he's going he's gonna to fall just like him. Look at the confidence he has at a giant where everyone else is freaking out. They're seasoned soldiers. They've fought many battles before. They're freaking out. He's not even, he, he's not even sweating. And he's like a 13-year-old boy at the time. <laughs> this, is, this is what it looks like when someone has what God has done for them alive in them. And so it's up to us to, to not limit God. It's up to us to, to keep things in the right light. Amen? Amen? Turn with me real quick to Mark 6. You know, Jesus, uh, when he was on the earth, he had a, a group of guys with him, and they were always uh, doing really dumb stuff and saying dumb things. And, and Jesus rebuked them pretty often. And, uh, and was correcting them a lot of the time of the way they thought. And, uh, and here, here's one of them here, or, or one of the ways that they were just not thinking correctly. Uh, Mark 6, uh, for, for context, we'll start in 43. It says, They took up twelve baskets full of fragments of, and, and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. So, 
context, right after what I had mentioned before about how Jesus met all the needs of the people through, uh, through giving thanks and turning to his Father to supply everyone with food. Right after that happens, they gather the twelve baskets full of fragments. Uh, verse 45, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when they had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now an evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining and rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. I think this is, this is interesting. Jesus sees the need. He sees the need, and he says, okay, I, I guess I'll go out there. But notice that he didn't just automatically take care of their need. It says he's about to pass them by. He's like, all right, well, you guys are struggling. This walking business on the water is way more efficient, and I'm going to just pass you on by. But Jesus saw their, their need before they started crying out to them. Jesus had already had the answer. I'm going to go to them. Right? Uh, verse 49, and, then, and when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked to them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to, the, uh, in the, into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. So here they are marveling at Jesus marveling at what he d- just did. And, uh, and, and Jesus is not really, I, I don't see him being very excited about them marveling at what he does. Every time you see the disciples or people marveling at what God's doing, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. Right, I can't even believe my own eyes. That type of mentality, that is not something that God's really pleased with. <laughs> you might think, well, well, aren't you supposed to be in awe of God? Absolutely, but when God has said something to you and he's given you his word, for you to be shocked it would come to pass isn't really, you know, doesn't really show you trusted in him very much, does it? Doesn't really show that, wow, you, you really believe what I was going to say. You're shocked it, it happened. Because by the way, he had the disciples get in the, in the boat and go before him. He's not going to send his disciples somewhere and have them die, right? So they should, they should be aware of that. Uh, Verse 52 says why they were amazed and why they marveled. It says, For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. It's, it's interesting. They hadn't pondered. They hadn't understood the miracle which they just saw hours before. And that's the reason they were shocked they were saved on the boat. Wow, look at what God did. They are shocked by it. It shouldn't be shocking to us when God comes through. It shouldn't be a surprise when God does what he says he's going to do. It should be something we expect. Do we appreciate it? Absolutely. Do we say thank you? Do we meditate on it and, and consider it? I wonder if they had gotten in the boat and they, were, and they had started a conversation and be like, man, did you realize what just happened? How many fish was it? How many loaves was it? And we ended up with... 12 baskets full after 5,000 people ate and were full? Do you realize what took place? Man, this is Jesus. 
I wonder what else he could do. I wonder, I wonder what the limits of Jesus are. Because it's looking fairly limitless by now. I mean, we're only in chapter 6 here in the book of Mark, but he's already done so many miracles right in front of their eyes and, and, and done so many miracles and, and come through and met so many needs. And yet, the Bible says that their heart was hard because they didn't understand the miracle that just took place right before this. So if you think about a heart that is hard is a heart that doesn't consider what God has done for them. Hardness of heart is one of those God blockers. It's a God limiter. I don't know if you've ever prayed for someone, and it was like uh, praying for a statue. And like, okay, get it. Come on. God's moving here. I can tell the power of God is here. But it's like you're praying for a wall, and there, there's nothing being received. And they, they're like, hey, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't feel anything. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Your hard heart ain't going to allow us to feel anything. But a hard heart considers not what God has done, but considers the problem that's in front of them. It considers what is just in the natural and not what God has said. And so these disciples, even though they had seen miracle after miracle after miracle, just like the Israelites who had seen God come through time and again, set them free from, from the Egyptians, set them free from, the, from all the plagues that God had poured out on the Egyptians, and then they're, they're in the wilderness saying, no, we can't go to the promised land. It's just not possible. We can limit God by what we think on, by what we're considering, by what we're remembering. When we face problems, you know, one thing I do with my daughter, and uh, my daughter, she, she is clumsy. She's one of the clumsiest people I've ever met, right? She didn't get it from me, so I don't know. But. <laughs> it's not a blonde thing, because red- my daughter's a redhead. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But my daughter's clumsy, and she runs into stuff, and she hurts herself all the time. And then sometimes I'm like, I just can't believe you hurt yourself again. It was like three minutes ago, and you're still crying from the last time you hurt yourself. And you look at her legs, and it looks like we, we beat her with sticks on her shins or something. And, uh, and she, just, she just trips over stuff and hurts herself all the time. But because of that, I've helped her get healed of a ton of stuff. <laughs> ton of stuff. Like, we were at jump time the other day, and she's, she all of a sudden, I turned my, I, I turned to play with my son for just a moment, and she starts doing this, like, there's like a tightrope strap thing that you can walk on. And she's just like, oh, I think I could do this, and starts walking, and then just falls, scrapes the inside of her leg really bad on the strap, and she's screaming, and, uh, and I, I just take her aside and I start talking to her. And one of the things that I do with her that works, it works every single time as I start asking her about what God's healed her before. What has God, Claire, do you remember when God healed you of this? Yeah. Do you remember when you got healed of this alley when you did this? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Do you remember when God healed you of that? Yeah. And what am I doing? I am making those things that God has done for her come alive in her. And that's what, that is what a heart that receives from God, that has their needs met from God, that's a heart that receives. A hard heart will be like, man, those things just seem like another life. 
Those, those things that took place back then, it just seems like that was so long ago. Can I, can I give you some advice? When God does something for you, when you see God come through, when you see victory in your life, do something that you're going to say, I'm going to remember this. Write it down. Practice in your, in your prayer time of things where you're going to go over the things that God's already done for you. And just start thanking him and praising him for it. I'm telling you, faith will rise up in you so fast. It'll be something that like, man, there's nothing that can stop me. There's nothing that can hold me back from getting what God wants for me. That's because what God just did for you, what he did for you a year ago, what he did for me 10 years ago now, it's real to me. And, it, and that is, that's going to spur me on to the next victory. It's going to get my next need, need met. Even though God supplied it already, it's still up to me. And it's, and it's up to my heart being in a place to be able to receive it. I'll close with this. Back in uh, Psalm 78, after he goes through and he lists all the things that God did for Egypt, basically uh, 43 all the way through uh, 55. Uh, 56 says, uh, Yet they tested and provoked the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies. They did not keep his testimonies. What testimonies? The very, those verses right there. They didn't keep the testimony that they had alive in them. So many of us have testimonies, and they're just, they just, they're dead. They've gone. We didn't keep them. One of the things that we can do to keep ourselves ready for whatever's next, fully prepared, is just keep the testimonies alive that we have. Share them. Talk to people about them. Write them down. Write them in. We'll share them from the platform on Sundays. Like, God is so big into us just keeping those things that he did alive because it just sets us up for the victory that's next. We go from glory to glory, from, from need met to need met, to all of a sudden he's using us to meet other needs, that all of a sudden we're the answer for other people. That, that happens when we just start... It really, it's a reverence thing. It's we're reverencing what God has done. When we reverence it, when we honor what God has done, man, it just sets you up for the next thing. It gets you ready to receive again. It gets you ready to say, yep, this need will be just like the last one. It'll be just taken care of. God's going to do it. Watch. He's been faithful to you so far, hasn't he? His faithfulness will never be in question. But sometimes it can be in question and we can limit him just because of the way we think. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that your, your promises and your testimonies, that, Father God, I pray that they come alive to us again. Those things that we've allowed to be dormant, those things that we've allowed to die, those stories and those things that you've come through, those healings that have taken place, those financial miracles that have happened. Father God, every single one in here that was redeemed and received the good word of salvation, Father God, I, I ask you to bring it back to their remembrance. Father God, breathe new life on it. Let them go through it again and again and again. Father God, soften our hearts so we can, we can hear you, that we know exactly what you're thinking and what you're doing. Father God, we thank you that there is nothing too big for you. Every need is met by you. There is nothing too small and nothing too big that you can't do. Father God, we thank you for your presence here. 
We thank you, Lord, that you confirm your word with signs, wonders, and miracles. I thank you, Lord, that even right now, as hearts begin to change, as hearts begin to soften, after we start thinking about how good you've been to us, all the things that you've done for us, all the supply that was provided through the cross and the resurrection of your glorious son, Jesus, as we begin to do that, I thank you, Lord, that needs just start getting met just like that. That it's just easy to receive what you have, easy to receive what you have promised, what you have said is just so automatic in our life that we don't question it. Thank you, Father God, that you're softening us, preparing us for more, preparing us for an increase, that there's going to be an even bigger testimony on this next one. There's going to be an even bigger story that we get to shout from the rooftops, that we get to share with the people who are hurting in this world, where we get to share with the person who has that same need that we come across. Father God, we have the testimony of you providing that need, of you getting us the victory. We thank you, Lord, that you're softening us and preparing us for more. I speak to every need, and I command it met. Jesus name in Jesus name thank you Lord you know sometimes it takes us doing our part I I don't know what the different needs are and you're not gonna I'm not gonna ask anyone to share them but uh, if you're needing something met in your life by God tonight I encourage you just raise your hands up just in a just in a I'm receiving from God Bible you know the Bible talks about our hands being raised I think they're like little antennas that just tune into God. And so if that's you, just I thank you, Father God, right now that you're meeting those needs. That this is a release of faith. That our hearts no longer limit you, but allow you to be who you are. The limitless God. The one who can do all things the one in who all things are possible. I thank you, Lord, for an increase in their life. That they don't look at those trials as something to dread. They look at those trials as a joy to get a new testimony. Thank you, Lord. We worship you now. and We're we're so thankful for what you've done, that you redeemed us, you set us free. Everything we need came by you. Father God, we give you all the glory for this. Every need that's met is because of you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for answered prayers. The questions that have been that have been they've been asking, Father God, that right now answers would be given as their hearts hear your voice. There it goes right there. There's the voice of God the voice of God. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord, that your voice we hear not led astray by another voice. That, Father God, your voice 
we recognize it in a crowd. And just like your sheep, we follow you. We follow your leading. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I can just tell that God is dealing with some right now. He's speaking to you. He's giving you things about the problems that you're facing. Sometimes the need being met is a directive. Sometimes it's it's knowledge. It's things being revealed on why things are happening the way they are. Sometimes it's God saying, listen, if you'll rebuke the devil in this area, watch, it'll be free. Sometimes it's you need to just stop worrying. You need to, you need to just lay that care at my feet. You need to just drop that down and stop stop trying to care about everything that you need and everything that are your problems. Just give them to me and watch. I'll take care of them. And I can just tell that God's, he set some people free. Burdens are coming off shoulders. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. stay silent for a little bit like we did just because if God's speaking I don't want to talk over the top of him right so our our lives as believers is not to have someone else talk to God for us it's it's we have now an open communication with heaven we have the voice of God on the inside of us directing us and leading us and let's start pondering let's start considering start going through, reliving everything that took place when God redeemed you, when God's changed your life. You know, one of the things that I think about often is the times where I've seen healing happen. I've seen, I start thinking about exactly what took place, how, what I said, how I said it, what, what was, what did I do when the voice of God came? What did it sound like? I start hearing that again in my mind you start just thinking about the times where God has spoke to you. That's it right there. Sometimes those who are here trying to hear God's voice and you've heard it before, remember what he said. Have that voice play again in your mind over and over and over. Sensitize yourself again to the voice of God. And all of a sudden, boom, there's his voice again. Oh, oh yeah, that's what it sounded like. And then all of a sudden he starts speaking again. And it wasn't that he stopped. It was just now you can he- now you're in a place where you can hear him. Now you're sensitive enough. Now the hardness of your heart has been has been washed away to be a soft heart that can hear. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are who you say you are. Thank you, Father God, for an awesome night. Thank you, Father God, for for your kids and their needs being trust you. We trust you in everything that you have said and everything that you have done. We trust you to do it again. We trust you to come through. Thank you, Father God, for an awesome time tonight of fellowship with the ice cream. We pray over the ice cream. We call it blessed. We call it sanctified by your word. Thank you, Lord, for for even tonight, there being divine connections made amongst your people, that those
those who would feel like outcasts. Father God, I, I thank you that you're directing people to those in particular, those sheep that feel like they're outside of the flock. And Father God, you direct the, those believers that are supposed to have a divine connection with them. I, I thank you, Lord, that you lead them tonight. That no one leaves thinking that 